How we doing, SMC? Come on. It's the last morning. It's the last talk. You paid the money. You came to the breakouts, and you're here. Man, I've been spending the last uh, several days with you guys just hearing all these amazing talks and speakers, and, and it reminded me of my, my first SMC experience 17 years ago. When me and some of my fraternity brothers load up, loaded up from the University of Oklahoma. We can't, that's right, come on. Some Lambda Kai's in the crowd, I've heard, uh, our fraternity. Actually, I heard their pledges, so don't, you're not Lambda Kai's yet. You gotta, you gotta work hard for that. Uh, and I've been encouraged as I've sat here because I see myself in each of you guys and your SMC experience. Something that people know about me is that I'm a dad. This is a picture of my family. Uh, my wife, Kelsey, uh, she's the queen of my world. She, uh, just like Sean, uh, just uh, a little below the angels. And so we met at a wedding that I actually wasn't even invited to. And so I showed up to meet this girl. It's kind of weird, but it worked. We got married, we got two beautiful kids. That's my son, Colt. He's three and a half, he's almost four. Uh, man, he's like pretty adventurous. So the other night we were actually sitting in bed and, and I was reading a book to Colt, I got done and I said, hey buddy, you know dad loves you. And he looked at me and he said, even when I go to jail? I'm like, what are we even reading? the Bible. Uh, I'm like, yeah, buddy, I, I love you even if you go to jail. And he goes, well, good, because you're going to be there with me. <laughs> so I don't know what's uh, in store for our future, but apparently jail is on the horizon. Uh, my daughter, Sailor, she is just a queen, little diva. Uh, she wears her emotions on her sleeve. When she doesn't get her way, she gets down on the floor and just pounds her fist. Uh, so we're pretty sure of sororities in her future. Uh, <laughs> she's already got a bid to Fi-Fi, I've heard. Um, I don't know. You know, but something else that people that are close to me know is that I love to build things. I love just fixing things. I love getting in my house and, and change or fixing a fence or, or laying turf. Uh, I love just the creative nature of taking something that's broken and fixing it. But there was always like one home renovation that I always wanted to do that just seemed like too much. It was just too big and it was the renovation of the whole downstairs of our house. It was going to require knocking out walls and laying electrical and, and things that I just were, were out of my league. And so I called a buddy of mine. His name's Steven. He's renovated houses. He's got that experience. And I, I say, Steven, man, you got to tell me, like, I, I just can't muster up the courage to get going. Like, what do I need to do? He's like, Jason, do you have a sledgehammer? I'm like, no, I got my wife's 40-ounce Stanley. They weigh the same. He's like, find yourself a sledgehammer, walk up to that wall, and take one swing. Now, most people would get off the phone, they call their wife, right? Hey, babe, I'm thinking about doing a home renovation. You know, Stephen told me just to take one swing, that it would build momentum. I'm not a normal guy. I'm an idiot. So I uh, go to my garage, I grab the sledgehammer, I walk in, I'm looking at our living room wall, and I, I just wind up and just, boom, huge hole right in the middle. And I'm sitting there, and I step back, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, holy cow, 
it's like a gateway drug, you know, like I'm hyped right now, like we're going to do this and I just keep going, just whacking away, you know, drywall's falling, dust is falling, wires are hanging from the ceiling. And I felt the momentum. My wife walks in, she did not feel the momentum. <laughs> but you know what, six weeks later, I had the floors I wanted. I had the countertops I wanted. I had the cabinets I wanted. My walls were the color. My house looked exactly the way that I wanted it to look. What I want you guys to realize this morning is that you guys coming to SMC was an amazing decision. It was a life-changing decision. It might have been the best decision that you've made in college. And you know what you feel? Momentum. It might not be the first swing that you've taken in your spiritual life in college, but you know what? It was a big swing. And my hope for you guys is that as you guys walk out these doors, that the momentum that you guys have felt over these last several days wouldn't stop. That it would lead to a life of you being anchored to Christ for a lifetime. as I was praying about where we should end this conference, I realized, you know what, Jesus actually hosted his own SMC. In Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, people from all different kinds of cities, all different kinds of faith backgrounds, they gathered on a mountainside that would have looked a lot like this for the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I've been there, and, and you know, there are hills that just kind of converge and uh, so all these people would have gathered like a Middle Eastern Coachella festival. You know, they'd be like, come in, go in to listen to Jesus teach. And Jesus delivers a powerful series of messages over the Christian life over, over several days. And what Jesus' primary message was in his final four verses was that he was concerned that people were going to walk out of this conference with knowledge and no life change. You see, what Jesus wanted is that as these people came and they gathered for several days to hear about the Christian life, as he spelled it out, just like SMC, that they would leave and it would be the beginning of a new faith and a new life. So this morning, I wanted to close SMC in those final four verses. Let's look and see how he sets it up. The last four sentences of Jesus' SMC, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. SMC, Jesus' final four sentences. And then he leaves. And so we're just going to make three quick observations about this text. Observation number one is your life is becoming one of two houses. Your life is becoming one of two houses. Jesus says there's only two houses, the house that's built on rock 
and the house that's built in, on sand, you see Jesus is using it a physical analogy to help us understand a spiritual reality. Now the houses that they would have been thinking about would have looked like this. They would have been, uh, the, the one on the right is the most, or your left is the most opulent house reserved for the wealthiest. The one on the left would be a common man's house. Most people would live on the house on your right, the house built on sand. You see, Jesus wants us to know that the, that the house built on rock is the person who walks out of SMC and they make Jesus the Lord of their life. Or maybe they've already been here and Jesus was the Lord of their life. But they walk out and that they put into practice Jesus' commands. That they lay the foundation of Christ and like a brick builder over the series of time that they would lay brick after brick on Christ's commands, making them strong. See, but there's some things about this house that we need to know. And the first one is that the house that built on, built on rock, it's costly. You know, several speakers have talked about the cost, but Jesus reiterates this, that the house that's built on rock is costly because building on a foundation of rock during Jesus' time would have been extremely hard. It would have taken a lot of labor. But it's not just costly, guys. It's slow. It's slow. And what Jesus is saying is that this house, it doesn't happen overnight. You see, uh, the big misconception is that we just make one decision to follow Christ and then it's over. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what it looks like to follow him. Guys, we make one massive decision where we say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And then we string together over the series of our life, decision after decision, showing Jesus that in that moment when you said, I'll follow you, that we meant it. And that's slow. But it's not just costly, guys. And it's not just slow. It's stable. Though it costs more, and though it's slow, through the storms of life, we will not be shaken. See, the college student who builds his life on the rock is the college student who hears the gospel call, but they recognize that there's a cost and that they weigh that cost and they ultimately decide that laying their foundation on the rock is what they want to do. But over time, it's slow. As they learn what Jesus wants for their relationships, for their friendships, for major life decisions. But over time, they become stable. This is what the house looks like of the college student that's built on rock. But then there's the college student whose life is built on sand. You see, the house that's built on sand is the person who doesn't value what Christ has to say, that they choose to value their own thoughts and own opinions and the opinions of their friends and the opinions of the world. And so they lay their foundation on sand. Now the thing about a house on sand is it's cheap. Jesus lived in a desert. Real estate was cheap. What Jesus was saying is that some people, even at the conclusion of his own conference, still viewed faith as cheap. But it's not just cheap, it's quick. It's a, it's a faith that doesn't take much thought or consideration. But it's not just cheap and it's not just quick. Guys, it's unstable. As the rains come in life and the storms come, they fall with a great crash. Guys, the college student whose life is built on sand, they hear the gospel call 
And they weigh the cost, mainly probably giving up some reputation and some friendships. And the cost becomes too great. And so they want a cheaper option. Yeah, they acknowledge God, but, you know, they want a faith that doesn't take a lot of thought or consideration. And so they'll go to things like SMC. They'll go to Bible studies on campus. They'll meet with spiritual leaders. It's a quick faith with no transformation. Ultimately, they string together decisions that show what they really value, which is themselves. When the storms of life come, they feel insecure in who they are. They have fear about the future. The shifting sands of people's thoughts about them and culture makes them unstable. Guys, Jesus says, you will be one of these two houses when you walk out this door. SMC, I want you to look at these images. Look at these two images. Jesus promises you that your life will be one of these two houses. There's no third house. But you get to choose. You're becoming one of two houses. Observation number two, you're currently one of two builders. Jesus says you're either wise or foolish. That word wise, it means that you're mindful of your own interests. In other words, that you are considerate about your life. That when you hear the teachings of Christ, that you don't just dismiss them and put them to the side, but you consider how those apply to your life. Why would Jesus say that? Why would he want that for me? And, and we think about that and then we apply it to our life. This is my uh, buddy Tom. Tom, uh, he's uh, getting baptized right here. I'm not admiring him getting out of a hot tub, even though that might be confusing. Uh, that's my buddy Tom. Uh, Tom, I met his freshman year. And Tom, man, uh, he, he had a lot of questions about faith, and I loved that. And so for three years, we just come to the Bible and we just explore what it looked like to follow Christ. And Tom counted the cost. And he knew that following Christ in his fraternity was going to cost some reputation and relationships. But you know, Tom was in. And so he made a decision to follow Jesus. It was slow. Man, I was in the weeds of Tom's life. And we'd talk about all different aspects of his life. And we'd get in the word together. But over time, he started stringing together decisions after decisions. And Tom became Stable. I remember getting a phone call from Tom. Uh, he called me because he got elected to a social position before he followed Christ. And, and one of his roles in this social position was that he was supposed to plan a ski trip for about 300 people from his fraternity and these two different sororities. And so he actually had to get lodging for them. And uh, as you guys know, some of you guys are going on ski trips. Uh, you actually have to be 25. They're on to you guys. They know you have to be 25 to rent a house. Because they're like, man, I know what a fraternity is going to do. And so Tom calls me and he's like, Jason, I don't know what to do, man. I'm, I'm wrestling with it. You know, I've got this new faith and, and I know that, that Jesus in Matthew 7, man, he wants me to be a wise builder, uh, but it's hard, man. I, I can't find a house that's not going to rent or rent to a 21-year-old. I don't know what to do. I'm like, man, that is hard. 
Tom ultimately couldn't find an out. And he sent this uh, text to his fraternity brothers in their group me. And I wrote it down. He said, sorry, guys, I don't feel good about lying about my age for the ski trip now that I started following Christ. I'm going to need to back out. Guys, that's hard. That is hard. But you know what? I was so proud of Tom. You know why? Because I knew that Tom's hard decision was going to lead to another wise decision and to another wise decision. And over time, Tom was building a wise life on the foundation of Christ. He was considerate about Christ's commands and how they would impact his life long term. There's not just the wise man, though. There's the fool. That word fool, it literally means headless. It means uh, to not consider how one's decisions affect their life. What Jesus, the imagery that they would have heard is it's somebody that's brainless, that they're walking around like they don't have a brain. The Greek word that Jesus uses for, for fool is the Greek word moros. It's where we get the word moron. Guys, Jesus, on his final four sentences of his SMC, he literally looks out at the crowd and he says, hey, you're either going to walk out these doors and you're going to be considerate about how you live your life, or you're going to walk out these doors and you're going to be a moron. Sheesh. Uh, come on, Jesus. Like, can I be, like, a little wise? You know, like, sometimes I'm a little wise, and, like, sometimes I'm a moron, you know. It's like Sunday through Wednesday, I'm a little wise. Like, Thursday through Saturday, I'm a moron. Like, come on, let me live between both worlds, Jesus. He says, even living like that makes you a fool. In 2011, I moved to the university, or moved to Austin, started working at the University of Texas, and uh, I'd done ministry in one particular area of campus for a few years. And, man, I just I couldn't get guys to take any kind of steps of faith. Man, I, I was just praying that Jesus would raise up some men that wanted to lay their foundation on Christ and men that would disciple other men like Sean was talking about last night. And, man, I just couldn't find any guys. And so uh, finally one year, five guys decided to come to SMC with me. And I was so excited because I'd been meeting with them one-on-one, -on -one, and we've been talking, and, and they said, Jason, I'm super anxious about my life. I'm super fearful. Man, I, I don't even know if these guys are my real friends. And I said, man, come to this conference over several days. It's going to spell out the Christian life for you, and it's going to be exactly what you need. And they show up. They come to main session number one. Next morning, I wake up to a text. Hey, thanks for the invite, just not for us. Whenever I got back to Austin, I had to know. I took them all to lunch. I sat down individually. And I said, hey, guys, what happened? There was a fraternity party that night, Jason, and, and some of our pledge brothers, they were wondering what we were doing at a Christian conference, so we had to go. Guys, headless, not considerate about how they're living their life. But I don't blame them. Guys, think about how we view the ultimate college male. He gets good grades, but he's not a bookworm. 
He drinks enough that, it, that he's a fun guy, but not enough that he's sloppy. He hooks up enough that he can get the girls, but not enough that he's a man whore. Enough God in his life that he's a good guy, but not enough to change him. See, the fool is informed about God, but he's not transformed by him. The foolish builder says things like, why should I follow Christ in college? The fool says things like, surely God understands this phase of my life. The fool says things like, after college is when I'm going to follow Christ. Guys, listen to the logic of this. Christ is either worth following today or he's never worth following. He's either worth your college years or he's not worth your post-college years. You guys have made a wise choice to come to SMC. You guys have made a wise choice. Just think about all that you guys have learned. It's been an amazing experience. But you've just laid one brick. Jesus says change happens outside those doors. What would it be like for your college years not just to make one wise decision, but to build a wise Life. Guys, the life you desire is created through putting into practice what you've learned at this conference. Man, uh, it's easy to think that we're wise when we're not, guys, isn't it? You know, I do this all the time. I, I try and convince myself that I'm wise whenever I'm not. And I actually had a buddy. His name's Sam. Sam. Sam's a through-the-front-door kind of friend. You know, you never have to wonder what Sam's thinking. He's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. So we go on a double date, and we're on this double date, and uh, I walk up with my wife and, and his wife, and, and Sam just stops about five feet from me, and, and he just looks me up and down. No warning. Hey, Jason. Muscle or fat? I knew the answer. Thank you, Sam. I want to disappear. Mm-hmm. Fat. It's fat, Sam. And I'm so grateful for that moment. You see, I got married about seven years ago, and whenever I got married, I was a pretty in-shape guy. You know, I didn't have kids, I had the abs, you know, I worked out. But the thing is, is that I had viewed myself as a very in-shape guy that was in a season of being out of shape. For seven years! It never crossed my mind that I had just crossed the threshold to just being out of shape until muscle or fat. So I'm looking at you, SMC. Man, I wish I could look at each of you guys in the eyes. Wise or foolish? Why 
eyes are foolish. Do you view yourself as somebody who's wise to the teachings of Christ that's just been a long season of foolishness? At some point, you've got to take the totality of your life and you've got to say, I'm just a fool. And you know what? That day will be one of the greatest days of your life. Because whenever I walked out of that meeting with Sam, I didn't want to just sit in the fat. You know, I like get on. I'm like researching gym memberships. You know, I go to hot yoga. You know, I go to Orange Theory. You know, I'm doing things, uh, which were kind of awkward. Gyms had changed a lot in seven years, by the way. Uh, So uh, I, I go and I'm applying what I learned because I wanted to value what I said I valued. I applied what I learned. Guys, the difference between the wise man and the fool isn't what they know. It's what they do with what they know. Change happens outside these doors. Observation number three, Jesus will hold you accountable for what you build. Jesus will hold you accountable for what you build. I love my son so much. Uh, Like I said, he's three and a half, but sometimes my son needs discipline. And uh, the other day, he was sitting on his throne on the couch watching a Paw Patrol episode. Uh, his favorite. And his little sister's playing, you know, at the base of the couch, and she's kind of pulling on him, you know, and she's annoying him. And I can tell it's escalating. And, and he just pulls his leg out from under his blanket, and he just jujitsu kicks her in the face. Wha-bam! She's like, whoa! You know, she's like, ah! Oh, I want to be a pie pie. I'm just kidding. Uh, and I walk over, and I scoop up my little buddy, and I'm taking him to the bathroom where we do disciplines and I set him down and I say, son, we love sissy. What you did was wrong. You deserve a discipline, but daddy is not going to give you a discipline today. Dada is going to give you grace. So I go to the cabinet and I open it and I pull out some chocolate chips and I walk over to my son and I said, hey son, Grace is not where you get what you deserve. It's where you get what you don't deserve. That's so much better. He's like, yeah, whatever, Dad, Grace. You know, he's just shoveling in the chocolate. He's got a big chocolate smile. Guys, so many college students are living like the story of life is not going anywhere particular. But just like Just like uh, Todd shared in his message, the story of the Bible is going someplace very, very specific. Chapter 1, creation. God created the world. Chapter 2, the fall of man. Man rebelled against God. We don't want you. We want to build our life the way we want to build it on sand. Chapter 3, a redeemer's coming. Chapter 4, the redeemer is here. He dies for us. Next chapter, grace. That God's not giving you what you deserve. He gives you the opportunity to have a life where you can lay the foundation on Christ and then you can build it on his commands. But you know what the next chapter is, guys? 
judgment. Judgment. See, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind beat against the house. What Jesus was talking about is he's talking about the storms of death and ultimately judgment. That one day, the bunker doors that that JP was talking about, they're going to be closed, that nobody else is going to be in. And then we're going to have to give an account to Jesus for what we built. Guys, don't walk out these doors and find yourself on the day of judgment Screaming for grace. There won't be any. Grace will be exhausted. See, Matthew 7 is a warning to the fool. And it's a promise to the wise. Guys, in a few minutes, this conference is going to be over. And as you walk out these doors... My hope is, is that what you learned would become part of your life. That as you walk out these doors, that you would build wisely. That you would build wisely. How do I build a wise life, Jason? My challenge for you is to become a bricklayer for life. That you would become a bricklayer for life. See, guys, following Christ isn't one decision. It's one major decision where we say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And then it's a lifetime of decisions where we lay brick after brick after brick after brick on Christ's commands. And over the course of a lifetime, we build a wise life. I want to introduce you guys to a few different kinds of bricks you could lay in your life leaving SMC. Man, you guys have been to a lot of talks. You've been to a lot of breakouts. Some of these might overlap. You might have a different brick that you want to lay in your life. Uh, But the first brick is the brick of faith. The brick of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Friends, it is not hard for me to find a college student who believes in God. What's hard is finding a college student that believes God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Coming to SMC, if this was your first time, it probably felt like a huge step of faith. You didn't know what you were getting into, but you know what? You're on the last day and walking out these doors, you feel rewarded. What would it be like to take a bigger step of faith? This was four days. What about 60? And I know you guys have heard a lot about Kaleo. You know, I've heard Kaleo talk about Uh, Like it's a spiritual greenhouse. And I love that analogy. I'm from Austin. We're a little hippie, you know, it's cool. But I feel like it's more like a construction zone. Where college student comes and they learn learn to lay brick after brick after brick in a community of people that want to be wise builders for a lifetime. For some of you guys, you need to leave SMC and lay the brick of faith. For some of you, you need to leave and lay the brick of discipleship. The brick of discipleship. Proverbs 13.20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Guys, it's impossible to live a wise life if you're only surrounded by fools. Leadership expert John Maxwell actually says that you're going to become the sum total of the five closest people in your life. One of those people needs to be a spiritual mentor. 
One of those people needs to be a spiritual mentor. You're probably wondering, hey, who could that person be? It's, it's the person who's been initiating with you all semester. It's the person who's been inviting you to Bible studies, asking you to hang out, asking you to read the word. And for me, it was a guy named Brian. Brian was always inviting me to things. He was trying to help me understand the Bible. And you know what? For a little while, I was blowing Brian off. I'm like, man, you know, I'm busy. You know, uh, fortunately, we didn't have read, uh, read receipts on back then. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude, I was busy. And for some of us, we need to walk out of SMC and we need to text that person and we need to say, man, I'm clearing more of my schedule this semester. I want to spend more time with you to learn how to live a wise life. For some of us, we need to lay the brick of discipleship. For some of us, we need to leave and lay the brick of devotion. To lay the brick of devotion. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love Todd Aaron's challenge. He gave an amazing talk on the importance of the word. Charles Spurgeon actually has a quote that says, show me a Bible that's falling apart and I'll show you someone's life that isn't. I love that. Brian, the guy that discipled me whenever I left SMC, he said, hey man, you want to learn how to build a wise life, you need to know the commands of Christ. I want to challenge you to read the whole New Testament. I'm like, holy cow, dude, that's like way more chapters than I've ever read in my life. Can I get that on audiobook? It was amazing for me. For some of you guys, you need to take up Todd's challenge of reading the book of Mark, 10 minutes a day, six minutes of reading, four of applying. For some of you guys, you just need to get in a committed Bible study and learn the word in a group of friends. You know, you dabbled in Bible study, you show up occasionally, you know, like when the Mavs aren't playing or your favorite football team or, you know, Call of Duty is not on or you don't have to use the bathroom or you're not hungry or... You need to put it in your schedule and show up every week. The last brick is the brick of conviction. James 1.22, it was in the uh, SMC video with the TCU student. I love that he referenced this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, James is challenging his readers not to just hear the word and dismiss it. He's challenging them to do it. We've all been challenged in some way at SMC. Maybe it's how you view alcohol. Maybe it's how you view drugs. Maybe it's how you view sex. Maybe it's how you view uh, media. Man, we have an op opportunity to align our convictions with God's convictions. You know, I remember leaving SMC and Brian, you know, sat me down and he said, uh, hey, dude, I wanted to ask you about uh, what sexual boundaries you have in your life. And I'm like, turn to Awkward Town. Nope. I don't have sex. Like, I came to, I came to Christian. I followed Jesus. It's like, oh, man, that's what you think the Bible says? Dude, let me lovingly bring you to the word. Let me help you understand what it looks like to build a wise life. Because I don't want you just to have a wise life. I want you to have a wise marriage. For some of us, we need to lay the brick of conviction by aligning our life with God's commands. Guys, my challenge to you, SMC, is to not let this be the last brick that you lay. That you don't look back on your college experience and when people say, hey, did you grow spiritually in college? It's like, yeah, dude, I went to that one thing like four days, freshman year. But you know what? I walked out and that was it. That was one brick, one time. Guys, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, heed the words of Jesus in his final SMC and walk out of this room. Lay another brick. Lay another brick. For some of you guys, you can't walk out and lay another brick. It wouldn't make sense. 
because SMCs expose that your life has been a life that's built on sand. You don't need to lay a brick. You need a new base. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life before you walk out of those rooms. He's been tugging on your heart. Your palms were sweaty and talked to when uh, uh, JP was asking. You're walking out of this room and you get to choose, guys, wise or fool. You get to choose house on rock, house on sand. Don't leave without laying the foundation of Christ. If you're not there yet, that's okay. Tell the person that's been helping you explore faith on your campus. Keep asking those questions. Keep exploring those doubts. It'll change your life. Uh, whenever I went to college, I went to the Air Force Academy prep school, and uh, one of the regulations for going there was that I actually had to go through basic training. And uh, so I get there, and, you know, my mom and dad, they're saying goodbye, and, uh, you know, there's this line, and it's, it's the point of no return, and on this side, basic training hasn't started, and on this side, whoop, basic training starts. So I'm, like, hugging my mom. I'm like, Mom, I love you. Then I'm like, ah, nope, don't want to say, you know, I'm not ready. It's like, oh, okay, let's go. No, no, not quite there. Okay, I cross the line. I'm immediately met by a man who rushes me into a room. They shave my head. They take me into another room. They take my civilian clothes. They put me in camouflage. And then they take me into a dark room and give me a, a, a pamphlet of information and say, hey, just start memorizing this. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, what did I just do with my life? That night, they took us into an auditorium just like this. Commanding officer gets up and he says, hey, here's the deal, guys, that for the next several weeks, my job is going to be to make you quit. That as you walk out these doors, you're going to be met by dozens and dozens of drill instructors and older cadets. That only job is going to be for you to quit. But I don't want you to quit. I want you to be here, but I'm not going to say that one more time. But in your chairs is a three-by-five card, and in that card, I want you to start a sentence that says, I'm at the Air Force Academy prep school because. And I want you to fill out that card. And when you face a big beatdown, or you're exhausted, or you want to give up, or you want to quit, I want you to pull that card out, and I want you to look at it, and I want you to remind yourself why you're here. When you guys walked in, you guys got a card. It's not a dream card, it's a brick card. When you guys walk out these doors, I promise you, there's going to be a world that wants you to quit. They're not going to want you to lay another brick. And when things get hard, or you want to quit, I want you to pull out that brick card. And I want you to think about, man, I just got to lay one more brick, Jesus. Just one more brick on the foundation of Christ. I'm a bricklayer for life, SMC. In Sanger, Texas, there's a 25,000 square foot mansion. It's massive, it sits on nine acres. If you're going back to Oklahoma, you'll probably pass it. Every time I go by it, I stop, I look at it. It's, I just find this fascinating because it's such a beautiful house. But you know what, as you get closer to it, you realize for what this house really is and it's just unfinished. That 30 years ago that somebody spent the cost, they spent the money to make this house and then they just walked away. And I can't help but think about the parallels of faith in the college life. That so many college students, they come, 
They'll make the investment, they'll spend four days and then they'll walk out the doors and they'll gain knowledge, but not transformation. Leaving a house looks kind of good from the outside, but a spiritual house that's empty on the inside. My challenge for you, SMC, is don't be like this house. Don't look back on college and let SMC be the pinnacle of your spiritual journey. Lay the foundation on Christ. Lay another brick on his commands. Build a wise life. And I promise you, the joy that you want, the peace that you want, the hope that you want will be found as you anchor your life to Christ for a lifetime. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you and we just thank you for this, this moment. God, that the parallels of this moment are palatable. That you gave four sentences at the conclusion of your SMC, God, and that the desire of your heart was that people wouldn't accumulate knowledge about you but be transformed by you. I pray that that would be true of this SMC. I pray that these students, that they would walk out this door and they wouldn't just talk about what a great time they had, God, but they would talk about what kind of bricks they want to lay in their life. I pray that you would build men and women, God, that represent you in their dorm, on their sports teams, in their fraternities, and that they would be wise builders for a lifetime. We love you, Jesus. You're worth it. Amen.